Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today I have a special guest with me. So Sophia Fairweather is the youngest entrepreneur I've had the privilege of talking to, but I'm not going to give away her age just yet. So I want to welcome you, Sophia, to the show. You are the founder of Key Angels, and we're going to get into that business. We're going to get into your journey and your age here in a minute, but welcome to the show, Sophia. Yes, thank you for your interest, and I'm I'm happy to see you again. It was wonderful meeting you the first time. That's right. So we met at the open house for the the grand opening of the new space that Edmonton Unlimited has. You popped by and we had a quick conversation. And for those who maybe follow us on social, you probably would have seen this video where my jaw pretty much dropped to the floor because I was shocked at how young you are. But again, I'm going to just hold that thought for a minute. I want to first have you answer the question that I ask every entrepreneur, and that is in the years that you've been an entrepreneur, which I think is, if I'm doing the math right around seven years now, is that right? Something like that. Yeah, very close to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what are, in your opinion, the three things that every entrepreneur needs to know? It's a very good question. I think uh, for me, it's kind of changed throughout the years. Um, I know that one that has really stuck with me and that I think kind of mentally I tried to kick out was attending events. It is crucially important. And it's, I, I mean, there's a many reasons why, but I think the one that was most important for me, especially um, was, I was kind of shy. I'm still an introvert, but I'm a lot more comfortable talking with people is because of events. I got that practice and it has allowed me to be a lot more comfortable with my speaking notes when I'm doing presentations and doing Q&A afterwards. And it also refines your speaking points and you get to kind of figure out how you fit in different industries um, so going to events, and it's for a whole plethora of reasons. And also, if you go to events, and I started realizing this after kind of when I was younger, so I was going to events when I was about 10. So at that time, people were kind of just, I was there. And so people would walk up to me and they'd ask well, how I was doing, like why I was there. But as I started kind of progressing, I started realizing, yes, that's good. And I think it has a, it's for a different reason why I'd recommend people have a booth or be a presenter. But for at the time, people were walking up to me because of my age and they thought I was someone's kid. So I found yeah. it a lot more useful if I had a booth or I was, I was presenting because then that ice breaking kind of nonsense is over with and people understand why you're there. They've had a chance to kind of think about like your career, your field and how they fit in with it. You can just kind of straight up to the conversations and it's just a lot less awkward and an easier transition. And you also get probably more, the, the decision makers or the people that are really being there to connect with people are going to walk up, up, up to you at a booth or a presentation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are, I think, kind of getting yourself out there and going to events and making those connections. Connections are super important. They allow you to be connected to opportunities. I mean, just, I mean, before we recorded this, you have connected me already to an opportunity and we've kind of just been connected for like two, three months now. So connections are important. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great first one. So number two, what do you think is uh, the second most important thing that every entrepreneur needs to know? I don't know 
if this is one that is important for the now, but when I was younger, I was on LinkedIn and in, or sorry, no, I wasn't on LinkedIn. I was on Twitter and Instagram and kind of Facebook, those kind of general social medias. And it took me a while to get onto LinkedIn. And it was only through my dad that I realized that LinkedIn was a much better environment. Um, I was people were following me because of what I was doing, not just because of my age, they're following me for my merit. And there was decision makers on there that I could connect to and talk to. And there's a little bit more of a professional mentality on there that you can talk to people and they're going to be kind of figuring out how they can fit like with you. But also if you I've never, I've only been attacked once on LinkedIn for my age or kind of attacked about my merit and just people being like, oh, this is like child labor or um, you're not doing this because you want to or none of the things you've done or it's actually you, it's your parents doing this, all this for you as if they would do that. They have their own lives. They're already busy. They have their own jobs. Um, so it's a lot more, it's a much better environment, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. LinkedIn uh, is the business networking platform for sure. And so yes. for anybody who's serious about doing the networking, extending that into the online world, uh, LinkedIn is where it's at. And I, I agree with you in terms of just the overall um, state of that platform versus a lot of the other platforms because it's linked to your professional profile, I think people behave a little bit better. Yes. Um, and there's a lot less of the tomfoolery that goes on in the, uh, on the other platforms. Okay. So that's yeah, number two. Especially number three. for youth. Especially yeah. for youth. That's, it's helped a lot of people I've met. A lot of youth have said that they have problems with this. And I said, go to LinkedIn. And they found a completely different change and they're getting better connections. Cool. Okay. So number three. Ah. I think I'll have to go with, I, I don't know how to phrase this, but I'll lead in with, I don't know if everyone knows what tallest poppy syndrome is. And okay. tallest poppy syndrome is, so if you imagine a field of poppies, if one poppy pick goes above the others or, and is kind of taller than the others, what do you think someone's going to do with that? What do you think the gardener is going to do? They're going to cut it. They're going to yeah, cut it okay. down. Yeah. And that's because they want all to be level, all to be very similar in the same place, all that kind of jazz. And I've bumped into tallest poppy syndrome where I've been either cut down or belittled or a lot of honestly resources have been taken away from me or I've just it's just not been great. And I've encountered this at schools um, the public school system. I've encountered this and yeah, that's honestly, I mean, it was that, but also some kind of youth programs that I've gone to is they just, it's, they have this weird mentality or this like glass ceiling in their kind of mind or something along those lines where it just kind of mentality comes in and they either want to cut you down or they prevent you from doing things. I mean, I was at school and I had a presentation coming up and I was going to be doing it virtually. And by this time, the school was aware that, of what I was doing. So I tried to reach out a couple of times, trying to see if I could support some of the youth that were interested in innovation and entrepreneurship, because I'd done a few talks there, and see if I could kind of get some supports like the, um, the entertainment industry gets for kind of doing sports and dancing and singing. And that yep. could be the same for entrepreneurship, innovation, and STEM. 
So they were aware of what I was doing. And I was trying to do a presentation and I w- it was after school hours. I would like to make excuse after school hours and I was in the cafeteria and I was setting up and they told me, and they came in and they told me to get out. They told me that they didn't want me doing any business type stuff or they didn't want me doing any of my extracurriculars in the building. And mm. this was an arts building. So they had people like students staying after classes, like after school hours, staying to talk with teachers or continue art projects or practice for plays. And I wasn't allowed. Um, So that's kind of something interesting. So tallest poppy syndrome, you'll encounter it. Don't let it belittle you. Don't let it cut you down. Find the people that will support you. Find those connections. Find those events and environments where you meet the people that don't do that yeah don't let other people dim your light that's uh that's the key right and this leads right into very very um well into the reveal of your age so tell everybody how old you are well when i met you i believe i was 14 um my birthday is july 13th so now i am 15 15 years old an entrepreneur since the age of seven was it i mean if you count cookies and coffee Five, six. Five, six. Okay. And then, so tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey because you have just been doing Key Angels. We're going to get into that. But uh, what has been that trajectory, which again is a very much a parallel to so many other entrepreneurs where uh, where you find yourself today is often in a business that's different from what you started with. And so tell us, you know, when you really got serious about business, what was that business and then uh, the evolution to today? Yes, it's it's honestly kind of funny because, I mean, I just said I was in Cookies and Coffee and now with Key Angels, I'm kind of sort of into property. And a lot of people that have known me for a long time find that a very weird parallel. Um, but I started with Cookies and Coffee when I was around five, six. But I really started with Cookies because I all my friends, I mean, we're doing lemonade stands and I was having a lot of fun with that, but I really like baking a lot more. So I was, so I went to my dad and I was like, oh, I want to be doing cookies instead. And he said, well, you know what, instead of doing a stand, how about you come to my work and you sell them? And so that's what I did. I made cookies and I came to his work after he picked me up from school. And there were obviously still people in the building after like 3.30. So I went over and I was selling cookies, walking around to all the booths. And after a while of doing this, I realized that they had coffee with them every single time they had one of these cookies. And it made sense. They were um, white chocolate lemon cookies. So they were kind of intense. And having the coffee probably helped settle that down a little bit. Very sweet. I still make them today. Um, So I went from that. And so I reached out to the coffee club that was providing his office building with coffee. And I got in touch with them and I said, I'm already walking around this floor and I could do the entire building if you would like. Like I'm already going there. I can, you know, help you guys with this and just take over. And so that's what I did. I did the coffee. I just had to replace all the materials and the supplies, which I was provided with. And I got to sell my cookies at the same time. And I was being paid for doing this. And after about two years of doing this, I had $7,000. And with the $7,000, I wanted to do something more than cookies because I was kind of tired of baking and I wanted to do something more. So I made my first ever product, which was Funcro. And the story behind it is my dad used Velcro to stick his phone to the dash of his car. And since going to an art school, 
I was kind of always trying to figure out, I mean, now it's called like design or whatever, but I was always trying to make things prettier, essentially, and I really enjoyed art. So I just added art to the Velcro. So I made uh, fun curl was puzzles and it was softer because I didn't like the texture of it. And it had different designs on it. It had the Fairweather crest on it. And so I just did all these kind of things and I sold products um, to local places and uh, like clothing places. And yeah, I just was able to kind of get around, meet some really interesting people, go to some really interesting events. And the tips that I told you, that's when I started kind of encountering that. And it was a lot of fun. And from after doing 10,000 units and some other kind of sales that I had on the side, I I had $70,000. And at the time I was 11 or I was like 10 and a half or something along those lines. And you can't really do a lot with that money besides put it in a bank. But even the bank can't really be under your name. It has to be under your parents. So I was kind of bummed out by this. I can't really do a lot with this money uh, that I really understood. Uh, So I decided that I wanted to get into what my family already kind of did, which was property. So I bought a four unit building with the 70,000. I didn't use the entire 70,000. So I still had 25,000 or so that I put back into the bank and the rest of the money went towards this uh, four unit that we are currently living in. Um, And we live in one in units and we rent out the others. And the three units, they pay off all the housing expenses and the like utilities, all that, even the mortgage. And I have about $500 every month that I put away into savings. And that allows me to kind of do events and things with Key Angels where we're kind of promoting this model, but also just trying to support the housing and education of other youth that are interested in innovation and entrepreneurship. Okay, so let's unpack this just a, a little bit here. So your first business, cookies and uh, coffee. So when you first said that, I was thinking that, yeah, you were probably just selling cookies on the yeah, side of the street yeah. at a lemonade stand or something. I didn't realize that you went into an office building and then took over the 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 coffee business within there and as a means to aid in the distribution uh and demand for your your cookies which i think is just absolutely brilliant the fact that you were able to then take that at such a young age and parlay that into then another product business and again uh manage to grow that to a place where you have the ability to invest into uh real estate it's just mind-boggling um and so 10 and a half years old is when you started then uh your investment in real estate is that correct yes yeah okay. yeah 10 and a half 11 i mean it takes a while for a housing kind of deal to go through but around that yeah yeah okay so clearly you can't sign any contracts at 10 and a half years old and so you have then a family member that signs the the uh the, the purchase agreement and and the contracts to purchase the the property then on your behalf. Is that how that works? Yes. Yeah, so for, cause I, or my dad has been a huge support for me all this time. So I decided to give him a break and I got my grandpa to uh, be the one to do that. And uh, also, so I gave the money to him. So that was the down payment and then the credit and the, uh, sorry, the credit and uh it's called qualifying room. I know that there's other words for it, but that's the one I'm most familiar with, the qualifying room that came from him. 
Excellent. Okay, so he his name is on it. Your name can't even be on the document. I not until I'm oh, eighteen. Right. No, yeah. not until I'm eighteen. Right. So this must be quite the frustration. This is what you were talking about. I think when you're the tallest poppy, um, in the sense where the rules are just kind of stacked against you when you're in a going in a completely different direction than the rest of the people within your peer group. And so talk to me a little bit about that. How do you overcome that frustration or deal with that frustration? Because I would imagine that must be a bit upsetting because what everybody else who has $70,000. Yeah, could put that towards skates if they're in hockey or something. Yeah. I have a friend that's a trick rider, like with horses, and she could put it towards that. And yeah, for, uh, yeah, for me, I don't, I don't really have that. Um, I mean, yeah, the only really thing I could put towards it was like maybe outfits to look professional and things like that. Um, honestly, that's something that I'm still working with. I, I, I just, I find it in the most unexpected places. So, I mean, it's something that I'm also trying to help these other youth I'm supporting, but it's trying to find the people that are also doing entrepreneurial things and then that to kind of be my group. And believe me, that's still very difficult. I've been able to find some. Sadly, um, not a lot of them are close to me or near me. I have a very close friend that's in Ottawa. So <laughs> that I, I've never actually met her in person. Um, but it, it, it is a kind of difficult, annoying thing. And I've, been, I've brought it up with the schools that they should maybe see if there's any supports there. And um, even universities to try and support the housing of these individuals or kind of give a scholarship for those kind of things. Um, but it's mostly just about finding that peer group to support me and creativity, honestly, just a lot of creativity and reaching out to the mentors that I've met and trying to figure out what can I do and how can I get through these loopholes or find the loopholes to get through these kind of barriers. So, yeah. Yeah. So in, in terms of the business itself, so key angels, um, Tell us at what stage of that business you're at right now. Um, and, and just so everybody's clear. So what Sophia is doing is, is trying to help other individuals buy the fourplex and do the same thing where the fourplex living in one of the units and then having the rest of the fourplex, the other three units pay for everything and then have some savings from that. So. So that's what you're trying to help others do. So tell us a little bit about um, how long you've been doing that now uh, for and how many people you've helped and, and uh, what that business looks like today. Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's what we've been focusing on now. It's all stemmed from trying to support youth and in innovation and entrepreneurship. And I realized that the awareness wasn't really doing anything that I was trying to do with Funcro and a few other products that I made. I was trying to do the awareness and I realized they need access and they need the actual supports behind them and some like direction um, because people were coming to me and they're saying, where do I go? Like, what do I do? And I had no answer for them really besides maybe connecting them to a few places. So what Key Angels is, is, I mean, that's the model, of course. And what the reason we share this model with other youth is it's provided me stability and security behind me that when I am 18, I can be the person that's in the unit. And then I have that stability behind me to then focus on my entrepreneurial goals. So I'm not having a part-time job. I'm not doing school and this entrepreneurial journey. I could just be doing kind of those 
two things. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why I'm trying to share this with others is because it provides them some extra resources, extra money to kind of go towards these interesting things, but also have all their basic needs so that they're not in survival mode. Yeah. To have that when you're 18, the almost, it's not complete financial freedom, but a certain level of security, it's financial security. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. To have that in place where it takes the pressure off, you can then pursue the things that you really want to, as opposed to doing things out of need, right? Because you have that security, that nest egg to kind of fall back to if you needed to. Yeah. So, okay. So you're uh, the, the key angels, the, the reason for the name is you're trying to connect youth right with these angels and not necessarily investment angels in the sense where you're trying to get somebody to you know invest with you but you need their signature is really what you need more yeah. than anything right is is that the the idea behind the business as well yes yeah, so the word angel and we used to go with donor and when you think donor though you think money and they are not providing money they're providing that qualifying room and that credit score. So essentially that access. And that's honestly, we've worked with social working uh, organizations. And for a lot of these uh, donors, they're so used to giving money and it doesn't really like, I mean, for a lot of the cycles for the people, the alumni of their programs, they actually come back to their programs. Like it's just a cycle and they see this and it's, it's really unmotivated. I mean, they don't see their effort, what they're putting towards actually going anywhere. And so having this instead of actually providing access to some support behind them, some stability behind these individuals that have that potential to them, that was really uplifting for them. So yeah, you said it perfectly. It's that's providing the access that these individuals don't have, whether it be because they're from a social working place or because they're just a university student. So they don't have that access already with them. And then that provides them, I mean, it's an investment you have throughout your life. It's, it's that kind of that secure base for them essentially. Yeah. And so your target audience are not other 11 year olds uh, or even at this point, 15 year olds. It's mostly, I think you were saying uh, university students who have some sort of a influx of money whether that's they've had some savings or maybe it's a student loan or something uh, that then you're taking that or helping them take that and invest it in real estate and turn it into a revenue generating source as opposed to just debt. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's, yeah. So that's essentially 18 to 25 is where I like to kind of put it. And that's also, it means that it makes sure that they don't have to have a problem that I have where they need to have somebody else. So I will of course share this model with other youth that are under 18. I will support them, but it's just a lot easier. It's just better if it's 18 to 25. And yeah, so the money that they have, they provide the down payment into the property. So their name is on the title of the building. And they can get this and we encourage them so if they can have savings, but there's also student loans that this 18 to 25 pocket has that is super helpful. And even in student loans, it says it can go towards your shelter and all that kind of stuff. So it does make sense. I want to like assure that a student loan can go towards your down payment. And so that's what a lot of people that we've had um, have tapped into. But there's also grants and bursaries and all these other things you have access to. 
uh, or that this pocket has access to. So, yeah. Yeah. And so the demand that you are seeing in the marketplace, talk to me a little bit about that. Um, when, like, are you finding that you're seeing quite an influx of people or is it really difficult to get the word out? And then again, because you're, you know, 15 years old now, um, for people to take you seriously, even if they're 18 year olds, um, who you're, you're trying to market to. So, so tell us a little bit about the market itself. What state is it? Um, have you been able to really build this into a business? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, it's the way you brought up me being 15 years old. That's why honestly COVID and everything being online has honestly kind of been a godsend for me is mm -hmm. because then it's everything's through email no one asks for your age um, but I've everything that I've done before this is mostly business to business that's how I've been doing it so that's how I've been able to actually access the groups that I need which is the angels in the 18 to 25 group it's just easier if you go through the people that already have access like social working groups um, but I've also tried tapping into universities but that's a lot more difficult and I actually even reached out to them to um, support their sports, like the sports youth that they had. Yeah. And they said that it was an unfair advantage. So we weren't able. So I know I had to ask as well, like, why is this an unfair advantage to your sports students? And they says, because it releases them of stress, the stress that they have of trying to find all their basic needs while they're doing all their sports and their schooling. And so that kind of hit a dead, dead end on that. So we can't really take the like actual like schools route. So we've kind of been going to that business to business, more private places to get that. Um, but also another problem we bumped into is people are hesitant of property. And especially for this kind of 1825 pocket, it does require some explanation to them um, and to actually find these people as well. Uh, but when we do actually talk about our model and our method, it's like you, you they understand, but it is a model that not everyone is aware of. So it yeah. does require some people kind of putting their toes in first and then being able to understand it. But once you have the audience and you're able to just kind of explain to them what the model does, how it's worked for me and the six other youth that we've supported, it's people brighten up to the idea a lot easier, let's just say. Yeah. So I, I'm really curious, um, what makes Sophia tick? What What is it about you that you think has been so attracted to entrepreneurship and risk taking and doing the things that you've been doing versus your peers? What What is it that I guess really excited you about entrepreneurship well i always wanted to do something outside of school and i was never a sports kid i never really kind of got into that especially group sports i don't like that and the only art form i was really interested into was drawing but i still wanted to do something more i still wanted to have an extracurricular and that's when i started just doing other things like other things other than the entertainment industry and then that was entrepreneurship. But I didn't know it as entrepreneurship. I was just saw it as doing something else that all my other peers were doing. It just wasn't exactly what I was doing. Um, and so honestly, I met some really great friends through because everyone that decides to do something that's outside of school all has that similar spark where you want to do something. 
and whether that be singing, which I have great friends that are in the kind of singing and they're entrepreneurs, they are entrepreneurs. It's just, they're in a different, they're doing something different than me. They're not in innovation or they're not in that kind of STEM field, same as I am, which is where there's, I've found a kind of just a gap of people, um, especially around my age, but it was just wanting to do something more and wanting to build something instead of doing singing and dancing and horseback riding. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I never really thought about it that way, but it's just your passion is different than what theirs is. So you're investing your time in a very different way than what they are. And something that I would like to also is I did have the supports behind me. I had my dad, he was, whenever I said I wanted to do something, he had an idea of how I could do it or like going to his office place, actually doing something with the idea or the passion that I had at the time. And if I changed my mind, like I wanted to make a product, he helped me with that. But I was the one that had to do the reach out. And that is when I met voice to text because I was not a great speller. And that helped me learn how to spell and do emails and make presentations. So then it was a lot more talkative and it wasn't, I couldn't do jaw notes at the time. So that was, that was very helpful. And honestly, I think for him, it was kind of a relief that I wasn't going to do something like hockey or these really expensive things because doing anything in innovation or entrepreneurship, like in that kind of, that kind of realm of things is a lot cheaper if you think about it than singing and dancing and hockey and like horseback riding, especially that's very expensive. Um, So I think it was kind of a relief for him. And then, so he was all kind of boards ahead with it. Yeah. Well, you're, you're generating money instead of costing them money. So that's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And I bought a place that we are currently living in. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you know, have, or if you have any other peers, if you know anybody who uh, is the one, uh, you know, funding their family's home. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Well, it, the funny thing is there are the kids out there doing it that are even just in my neighborhood but they're doing it because they're employed by somebody or they're doing something really small, but they don't have, they, they aren't aware of the ecosystem around them that could support them to go further or they don't have the support of their parents around them. Um, and that's why they have to fund. Um, like, so I have met a lot of these youth and that's who I'm trying to support is that they have that drive. They have that determination and they have, and they're able to do something with, and I want to actually give them the access to grow from that and ha- and like actually thrive and get some stability behind them. So the people who listen to this podcast are largely entrepreneurs themselves and a lot of them have have children. Um so if you had any, you know, pieces of of, of advice, I guess, for these uh, our audience members for them to try to stimulate more interest or excitement around entrepreneurship in the youth that they come into contact with, what would you suggest? Like, how do do we create much more of an ecosystem and movement around youth and entrepreneurship in your mind? I think the great thing, I don't know if this is the last question you have, but it's a great tie-in to the three uh, tips that I gave at the beginning. And yeah. it, uh, so I'm going to, quick disclaimer, not every kid that wants to do something, if they have that, wants to do innovation, entrepreneurship, like I said, there are, of course, other things that they can kind of pursue. But I would, first of all, like singing, like hockey, introduce them to that ecosystem, that field. So for kind of for what my field is, that's just events 
inventors, those kind of things, bring them to these kind of events. They can listen to the talks. They can talk with some of the people, see the opportunities and uh, kind of be introduced to that kind of creative, innovative mindset. Um, that's, that's kind of really important. Um, also get on LinkedIn. That's another part of just getting into the ecosystem and you can put on there. I mean, there's a lot of people that are university students on there. So it's not like it's completely, it's not, they're allowed on there. Like any other social media platform, they're allowed on there. Um, and if you want to kind of supervise it parentally, sure. But it's a lot more professional environments. You don't have to be as worried as something like TikTok, um, Instagram. So yeah, it's about introducing them to the ecosystem. And then if that plants the seeds and they can also start finding some of those mentors, those peers around them and they can start growing in whatever they have interest in. And then they can also start using what they're learning from school and applying them to the real world. I found when I started doing extracurriculars, that really helped with how I was doing in school. Cause I was like maybe a B student, maybe a little bit below that, um, especially in something like LA. But when I started doing presentations and I started writing my own things, doing emails, things that didn't seem as chores, they were just things that I was doing. Um, everything kind of, I just learned more. And because I also had fun crow and I was making cookies and things, um, I was able to kind of get those math skills behind me as well and do some practice with that. And it was a lot more fun. And I saw how it actually helped me and influenced my life instead of just like help the grade, which it's not as motivating. I mean, it's motivating because you don't want to fail school, but it's not really motivating. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and this is the thing that I think that we don't do a very good job of is really recognizing the potential in individuals. And I don't, I don't care if that individual is, is 10 years old or 50 years old. There's a lot of discounting that happens because of, uh, you know, people's perspectives or pers mm -hmm. um, ideas around and biases and everything else uh, that come into play. But we as as humans have all this un you know leashed power uh ability that if we were just given a chance or giving others a chance to really shine and and a little bit of encouragement i think it's amazing what people can do and you are just a testament to that so kudos to your dad for you know believing in you and supporting you and and doing the things necessary to enable you to begin this journey and then continue to the place where you're at today. Um, so that's really, really cool. Um, and I love what you're talking about in terms of, of getting people into the ecosystem. Again, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what age you are. If we can get people into the ecosystem of entrepreneurs, um, the, then it becomes something that's normal. It's normalized and it's, yeah. and it's much more easier to, um, you know, meet other people, get connected and get referred and, and the, get the supports that you need at whatever stage you are at in your entrepreneurial journey. So and great. it's a reasonably safe ecosystem as well. Yes. And it's yeah. something that like hockey, you can introduce them young and it doesn't have to be super abrasive. It's just those that make it fun. You're, you're testing the water, seeing if it's an interest. And then if it's not go to piano or like, you know, like just view entrepreneurship and innovation and then many different kind of fields around that um, coding and tech and those kind of things as just another field that you can introduce them to young. Yeah. Yeah. 
So exciting. So Sophia, if somebody wanted to connect with you, uh, whether that is just to have a conversation and learn more about what you're doing or to pick your brain some more, how, how should they do that? Where should we direct them? That's a, I would, I, until now I've kind of just been giving my key angels one, but honestly, I found that if I really think about it, LinkedIn's probably the best place. Uh, so if you reach out to me on LinkedIn and just add a little note that you'd like, just like to talk to me, you know, not just like another connection or that I've connected to you and you finally like connected back to me or anything like that. Like just make yourself stick out a bit, give that little note with it. That's perfect. And then I can talk to you through there. And it's also a lot more conversational than something like email. Yeah. Um, the other platforms that I'm on, I'm not as active on, or I probably won't focus on the messages that I'm getting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best place. Yeah, so search for Sophia Fairweather of Key Angels over at LinkedIn. So thank you once again. I really appreciate you taking the time today, Sophia. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm glad you took an interest and I hope this is helpful to your viewers. It's been an interesting listen. Yeah, very, very interesting. I'm fascinated. I can't believe what you've accomplished. And so all the best to you as you continue on with your journey. And for those of you who are listening today and really like this episode and want to check out other episodes where we interview all sorts of different entrepreneurs, check out our archives over at amplifyyourbusiness.ca. And of course, you can find us on all the major podcasting platforms. So just search Amplify Your Business there. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. Bye.